want you to listen. Then what? Share it. The Melbourne Youth and Social Workers Group and the Knowledge on Tick podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land, the Boonarong and Wurundjeri people, their elders past and present. We would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the land, her children and our families. We would like all of us to show respect for each other, Mother Nature and the creatures on the land and the sea. Hey everyone, the Melbourne Youth and Social Work Facebook group would like to welcome you to the Knowledge on Tick podcast. We are Josh and Nat and we will be your co-hosts for the potty. Knowledge on Tick is a podcast offering real-life conversations and insights every week with workers in the field covering a range of topics surrounding the youth and social work world. We are so grateful to have you here and happy listening. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Knowledge on Tick. I'm Josh. And I'm Nat. <laughs> and today we're joined by Shane. Hello, thank you for having me. Thanks awesome. for joining Absolute us. Honor. Uh, thanks yeah. for hosting us at your place yeah. as well and yeah. putting us up for the afternoon and evening. Yeah, thank you. Thank Legend. you. That doesn't mean we're staying over the night, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like thanks Sweet for hosting you just in case you misunderstood. Him. Look, you're welcome to crash, guys. You're <laughs> on the couch. Like, Too many wines, have a shield. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Oh, so funny. Oh. Um, Shane, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, well, I'm a human. I love that. Um, yeah, so first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a dad, um, which I'm very, very proud of. I'm a very, very proud dad. To a very, um, very cute little boy who gave yeah. me a leaf when we got here. Yeah, I he did get add. a leaf. Yeah, he tends mm. to give gifts. He's a, he's a bit what of a legend. What a gentleman. Um, but I've also been um, a teacher and youth worker for, for many years. Uh, a teacher by trade, not by... Um, Life. I, don't, I generally don't think that I'm the, the ultimate teacher or whatever. But um, been doing that for, for quite a while. Um, and right now uh, I'm a consultant. So I've worked um, in a range of different roles and I was a project manager for Brotherhood of St Lawrence in my last role, but uh, that just got made redundant. But no hate towards Brotherhood. They're still pretty chill. Um but yeah, I do consultancy work, so really around uh, uh, capabilities approach, so building capabilities approach within organisations. So what that looks like in terms of, so it's kind of like a combination of a strengths-based approach and uh, asset-based community development. So mm. basically, how do we build strengths and uh, and connection to community? Uh, with young people, so we're not just working on strengths with no opportunity. Mm. Uh, So working on with that, but I also uh, am navigating at the moment with an organisation with families, so working in foster and uh, foster families and families that are um, connected to DHS uh, in how can we work in sort of capabilities-based approaches with those families and their children. So, which is really, really cool. So um, the underpinning of a lot of my work is from my own upbringing. So I've had, um, so definitely from lived experience, uh, it makes me quite passionate about what I do. Mm. So I generally say I wear the hood on my chest. So, um, yeah, so I 
that's pretty much me in a nutshell of, mm. of what I do. Uh, I also do some uh, photography, which sort of underpins some of the work, but maybe we can get into that a little bit, yeah, yeah. A little bit later. But, yeah, that's about me. Yeah, awesome. Cool. Heaps to go Dope. through. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, we could be here forever. I yeah. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Um, did that on you? All good. Um, so the first question, uh, yep. we start every podca- pod- podcast off with five, yep. is what did your parents do for work? So uh, we spoke about this a little bit earlier as being a mm. bit of a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> but probably simply my dad worked in um, banks. So he worked in banks for, for a, uh, a few years, but then um, there's pretty major incident that happened in his life that sort of cut that off and led him down um, a pretty challenging path uh, for himself. Um, My parents are split, so um, I was raised, you know, it's a bit by my dad, but mainly by my mum. Mm. Um, And my mum, probably more like, so my mum was mainly on a pension. So Mm. my mum was mainly on a pension um, and did sort of cash jobs and house cleaning and and sometimes a little bit of childcare and and things like that. So... um, yeah, we grew up uh, pretty poor, so, um, but, you know, that teaches you a lot of things, I guess. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, that's probably, I say loaded question because, like, I think because my dad's career was cut so short, so yeah. my mum, um, yeah, so really didn't have so much connection to her, to mm. many jobs as such, should I say. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Sounds like she was pretty um, resourceful and resilient. So. In in ways, yeah. So yeah. she had, um, uh, I would say so, yeah. Mm. I would say so. She had extreme challenges in her life, which sort of led to a very unique upbringing for us. So mm. yeah, um, yeah. But um, but yeah, definitely resourceful. I think. Yeah. yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, cool. Yeah, for sure. The next one is who is the most famous or well-known person in your phone book? <laughs> this is a bit of a funny one. I <laughs> yes. Think. Because um, it would probably be, I used to work in the music industry for about 10 years or so. Okay. So it would probably be, weirdly enough, probably 360. Yeah. But I don't think I've called him and I don't think I've spoken to him in like six years or something <laughs> like that. So it's probably not even his phone number. Um, can I just, can I tell you something that's yeah. so fucking weird? Right? So, Wait, I, okay, you go, you go, mm-hmm. you go. So I realise that when we do a podcast, yeah. if I don't, if I'm doing something that's really chill beforehand, like listening yeah. to another podcast or sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I watch TV shows and I drive. Yeah. Um, Whoa, yeah, so. Says me. Hey, we're all, yeah, yeah, we're all guilty, whatever. Um, and I realise if I don't, if I do something that's like relaxed like that, I feel like I don't come into the, the podcast time in, amped up. Like amped like up and energetic, right? Yeah, 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 so I was yeah, like, okay. I drove here because I live in I live in Belgrave, so it's like a oh, bit yeah, over okay. an hour. Mm. Um, I was like, all right, tunes the whole way, pump it loud, and I was like, what haven't I listened to for a while, <laughs> right? And I put on 360. Get fucked. I swear to God. But the funniest part is, is I thought to myself, I wonder who Shane's going to have as his person. I bet he knows famous people. Like, Shane, look, like, you look like a pretty cool dude. I was like, I reckon you know some famous people. I wonder if you would know 360. And then uh, I swear, I'm not not a word of a lie, but I also have this, I also have this theory of my own around odds. What? That if you think of the thing, 
but then the odds change. Yeah. Right. Because if I didn't think of it but I listened to the music, yeah. the odds would be lower or better that you yeah. would have said 360. But because I thought that you would say 360, then the odds get greater. Yeah. Right. But that it actually, I can't, I'm not even lying. I couldn't, I couldn't make that shit up. That's hilarious. That's actually hilarious. Yeah. That is that's really, so really fantastic. hilarious. Um, boys like you, you know, with the, yeah. that girl. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was yeah. listening to, pumping it. I've even got an, an even funnier connection. So the person that I, well, not even funnier, but just funny as well. Sorry, Josh, didn't mean to discount Sorry, you there. Me. But my, my, when we first did out, who's the most famous person? And I said... The person who I knew from a TV show, who you knew from oh, a yeah. person from the same TV show, sure. she dated 360 no, years ago. Fuck? Yeah, so when you said that, I was like, oh my God, my friend knows him. No How funny. Way. So no 360, way. what a dude. He's in my phone book, but I but it's like a haven't spoken to it. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. I, we used to all be connected to the same sort of group of friends. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's why. Which, is, but it's really, really odd when you thought of it. I laughed to myself because I was yeah. like, "Fucking three sixty. Like, <laughs> yeah, have you been there as three sixty or his real name, like actually, James like, or something? Funnily enough, I know I address him as Matt, but I've Matt, got him in right. there yeah. as three sixty. I yeah. actually have him in there as three sixty because I've got everybody by their rapper names. I yeah, worked yeah. in like the, so maybe it was just easier because yeah, like yeah. Matt's such a common name. Maybe. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, so it was a pretty interesting. And on the other spectrum, it's probably have you heard of JJ Peters, like from yes. Dance Nuts? Yes, uh, hardcore, and okay. so probably yeah. him as well. So oh, yeah, it was just funny. Now I feel like I'm just name dropping. Like, no, that's what's in my phone, bro? Like, can you share? <laughs> Josh and I have like an underlying <laughs> comp going on if we want to get famous numbers. Yeah. So like, you know, a year from now, I've not consulted Josh about this. This is my own internal competition. Yeah. I've like dropped hints. But who will have the most famous person's number? <laughs> so I'm going to hit you up and get some. So I'm prepped. Yeah, well, that'd, be, that'd be yeah. great. You guys should do it on every episode. Just start collecting the numbers of yeah. every. Yeah, yeah, that's Give right. us your contacts. Yeah, yeah. that's funny. They're, they're good ones. I like that. Yeah. Three sixty. It blows my mind when people have. Not that they're not allowed to have other lives, but like you, you know, you did the music scene for mm. a while. Like that mm. stuff blows my mind. I think because I haven't, I've just done this. <laughs> so, I need to go oh, meet some famous people. Trust me, it's not as <laughs> <laughs> it's not what it's cranked up to be. Like, yeah. People were like, "Oh, so you got backstage?" And I'm like, "Yeah, you're generally separated from the famous people, and they don't want to hang out with you." Yeah, you're or, not on a couch like this. Or, or that dude was a fuckwit. Sorry. Yeah, that's yeah. Very worse. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, that's it's worst. like, oh no, I shouldn't say that. It was, there were some cool experiences, but yeah. it's not. What it's not people, what people, people like um, yeah. glorify, like glorify yeah. it to be. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. For sure. And a lot of the time, it's actually people that are like us, seen as assholes, are like the coolest people Once. ever. Probably one of the nicest person I've, people I've ever met is Anthony Mundine. Like we, while working in the music industry, oh, and people yeah. go, wow. "Oh, he must be an asshole." Yeah. Or this or that. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Like, right. Dude was like. The realest dude introduced himself to me. Like, I'm like, I know who you are. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> That's so funny. Like, it's cool, bro. I definitely yeah. know who you are. But, we know who you are. But very, like, humble. Like, yeah. very nice, very chill guy. That's um, cool. And then when you read about his story outside of the, yeah. the, the limelight, you actually learn that he's actually quite a humanitarian in, 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 different, in different ways as mm. well. He just doesn't. Broadcast it. Or broadcast it mm. or, or anything like that. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There you go. That's yeah. pretty cool. He's not in my phone book, though. So no. We're not that tight. I'll find him and <laughs> yeah. I'll put him in mine. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's funny. Um, all right, what job wouldn't you do? This was a tough one. I think this, like, anything that went against my morals, I guess, mm. anything that went... So there'd be so many of those things, like... Um, shoveling shit doesn't go against my morals, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so doing jobs that might not be desirable to some people, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm above that. Mm. Um, but I think things that are against my morals, like, like maybe like working for the Liberal Party or something or, <laughs> or you know, like anything that sort of, a, a pre- out, you know, openly oppresses people or, yeah. or anything like that. So it's hard to think of a particular job. I think there'd be a lot. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think just things that just go, go against my morals or values, personal values. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's that a, a good, good answer? answer. No, yeah. it is. Yeah. It is. It's, it's definitely more humble than <laughs> the one I provided. Yeah. <laughs> what was yours? <laughs> I'd never want to work in a morgue. Oh, that's so that'd I be pretty crazy, though. Well, yeah. see, because I thought I'm, I'm, a very, I'm a pretty spiritual person, okay. so I think for me being in that situation... And obviously I imagine it being after dark. It's not during the day I'm working in a morgue. It's like the night shift. For me, I think that would fuck with me too much. I would read into things too much. They'd get a hold of me. It would be my undoing, I reckon. I'll (laughs) ponder that job. I don't know yet. Yeah. You you bring some valid points. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've just Um, overthought it. (laughs) Maybe I started just overthinking too. I've pulled you into the web. (laughs) Oh, funny. Yeah. Um, so the next one is what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, there's a few, I think. Um, there's things that I've received that I don't think I, I took on at the time, like, mm. you know, like, you know, you could do better things in your life for, for this, this and this reason than, um, you know, the stupid shit that I was doing. Um, like, they were quite significant when I look back on them, considering the people that said them, that there were people that were involved in the same kind of thing rather than sort of people on a higher moral ground. Yeah. Um, Well, you know, they stick with me, Um, especially I can think of a particular person who's passed away now that that said that to me, that that resonates with me a lot, um, to do something better. Uh, I didn't know what that meant and I don't know if he knew what that meant, but I remember it. Yeah. Um, But I read a lot, so I think maybe, like, one of the big things um, recently, I think, is um, to grow through... um, How could I say? Grow grow through sort of unpredictability, I Mm. guess, so be willing to grow through unpredictability. Mm. So, like... The world doesn't change because it's your life. It's it just changes. Yeah. And it's more around um, how to build your own curiosity to that change instead of like this is a, this change is a, is a is going to play a major effect on me and how am I going to deal with that? Especially when you've had you know faced a, a hardship in the past, you kind of can enter those mind frames. So I think that. Um, you know, growing through unpredictability is a is a really big thing, and being um, curious and open to anything, uh, and I think that that sort of leads you to wanting to have less judgment of people in your life. Mm. So, which which I think is something that we always keep working on. I guess. Well, I always try to keep working on myself. Like, you can have judgment. I mean, against people that have 
wild opinions that are like way against yours, but it's more around how do you understand that mm. and how do you grow from that, mm. you know? Um, we've all, a lot of us have worked with young people, we work with young people that can be, you know, like have a view of like say racism that might not be the same as, as mine, but that person could still be a good person. Yeah. Mm. Does that sort of make sense? So Absolutely. it's more around how, but if you had judgment, you could like rob yourself of that opportunity of curiosity and learning about um, the goodness of that person. Mm. Uh, so I think I try to challenge myself with that. Um, and I think that's from reading, like, I don't know if you heard of Pima Chodron, which is like a no. uh, it's like cool ass, which is yeah. not like massive kind of, like, it's funny, I thought she wasn't massive, but I actually saw she was speaking to Oprah and I was like, fuck, that's <laughs> killing it <laughs> for huge. me. Like, hang on, I thought she was like real chill. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Unheard of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, but she's, no, she is super cool. Like, she's um, 80, it's like 83 year old Buddhist nun. I don't know how that works. Wow. But like, she's uh, written a lot of books and she's um, got a book that's really good called The Places That Scare You. And it's really about stepping towards the places of uncertainty. And I think it taught me a lot about uh, growing through those unpredictabilities and uncertainties. So I think, like, advice from her and, um, yeah, a range of different things, I guess. But mm. they were probably the biggest ones, I think. Mm. Yeah. How Definitely. cool. Mm. Okay, I'm going to look her up. Made me yeah. think we need to start, um, like, a book list. Mm. Yeah. Because so many people talk about books mm. on the podcast or you, you read a lot and have mentioned yeah. a few different books that yeah. we almost need to have like a book list We somewhere. do. Mm. Yeah. We probably could. We could do that. Figure it yeah. out. Yeah. Another one actually resource that's pretty, <laughs> pretty good that is um, called Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. It's really like a really amazing book. I have um, that, but I haven't read it. Yeah, I'm like sick. a I'm a serial. I'll buy you know four hundred dollars worth of books. Yeah. I really hope my sister's not listening to me. She'll ruin me for that. <laughs> but I will put them on the shelf, and then I'll slowly get through them, and then I'll buy more. So there's like shelves of mine that I have all these books I haven't read. So I've got to get to that one. Yeah, it's it's really good. I think I I have to say I relate to that. I got Audible for that reason yes. because I kept fucking buying books and not getting through them because mm. I'm like, when do I get time to sit and read a book? But you're driving and yeah. do all of that kind of thing. Um, that's how I got through. But I've got I'm read through that twice. It's actually really sick. It's like written in the 1300s, so you've got to avoid like the mass misogyny and like, the, <laughs> like sidestep the like you know this man has got womanly traits or some shit. And you're like, oh, I'm sure he means well. That's kind of <laughs> fucked up. But yeah. Like, sure, like, but this was written yeah, over 100 yeah, years ago. Yeah, it was written a very long time ago. But, I mean, like, there's some pretty underpinning lessons about, like, stoic, yeah. like stoicism and stoics and, like, which is quite interesting. But that's a really, really good one. Mm. Yeah, without I'll a doubt. Yeah. yeah, cool. Mm. Um, and the last question <laughs> is... In regards to your work, yep. uh, what was your aha moment? Mm. I think um, there's a lot. I, um, I think of ones in regards to my life and then my work, I'd say there's a bit of a combination of both. I think mm. it all happened at the same time. I think that I... Um, yeah, actually, it was. I think it was a big connection to my work that I um, was a youth worker for a while and, uh, I don't know, I think that I 
was very, very connected to young people and then felt like I was actually, like, I knew them and because of my experience and lived experience, I, I knew them and I knew how they felt and all of these kind of things. Um, but um, I think that, you know, I, I was going through a pretty rough time, like as a, you know, like with mental health and, you know, pretty crazy depression and all of that. And I was just like, I'm so connected, I'm so connected. And I think that I made it more about myself. And um, I was going through some pretty dark times with my family and this and that. But the worst thing is everybody in the, my job was like, you're doing an awesome job. You, they were like championing these connections because young people were, you know, progressing and doing really well. So they were championing going and they'd, you know, I'd get handed caseloads of the, the hardest the young kids. people's and the tr young people and the trickiest. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so I was like, um, I think that I was going through this dark stage in my personal life and then people were championing what I was doing in my work life. So it attached to an ego in my work life. And then, mm. like, I knew that um, there was something that I was missing, mm. I think. And uh, uh, funnily enough, I had this massive breakthrough. Um, I still don't know the name of the test, but it's called an IPIP test, you know? Like they do, do, like, their big, like, personality psychoanalytic oh, test. Um, they give you, like... The Myers-Briggs? It's so, I think something it's similar like to yeah. something like that. And uh, uh, it wasn't the test that was, like, am like amazing. It actually, the test was, like, showed, like, how fucked up I was as a person. No, I shouldn't say fucked up, but I mean, like, like to criticise myself for, for that stage, but that I wasn't, I just didn't feel like I was being genuine to me. And then I just, um, I, I got real drunk and I just, like, wrote for like three days and, mm. and about how I was like going to be more self-compassionate with myself to understand compassion of others. And uh, it changed my life. I know it sounds really crazy to say, but it absolutely changed my life in the last three or so years. Um, my work has gone, you know, completely the opposite end to like where I thought I was and really, really progressed and built like really strong connections of building like, you know, everybody's a blank canvas. Um, using my own experiences brought empathy rather than I know their story. It's yeah. brought empathy and compassion. Um, and the only way to be able to do that is to have empathy and compassion for yourself and then you can have it for other people. And it took me a long time to learn that because I just mm. thought, you know, especially people are telling you that you're doing a good job. Do you know what I mean? But Absolutely. then you're just like you're crushed in your personal life. Mm. Um, but everything just started to change. And then um, I think that that's been really cool. Like I've been training youth workers right around the state and uh, in my last role and meeting youth workers that had had very similar experiences of like big breakthroughs yeah. in their careers where they're just like, man, you know, um, I, I dove in the, into young people's problems rather than felt compassion and then brought out strengths and intrinsic motivations in young people rather mm. than tried to control that. Like, we've all been that youth worker. Or I imagine yeah. a lot of people have been that youth mm. worker that's tried to control the progress of young mm. people. Yeah. Like, oh, if I do this, this mm. and this, and if they don't meet the mark, you're like, fuck, 
you yeah. know, rather than like how do you build the intrinsic motivations mm. in young people to do that so you can be a witness to the work rather than mm. the controller of the work, Absolutely. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so that was really big for me and I like talking to youth workers about it because a lot of people don't like to admit it and I'm just like, I feel like it's freeing to admit yes. these things and yeah. just be like, it's okay not to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when people look at my practice now and they're like, oh, that's really cool, I'm like, oh, actually it was really fucked. Yeah. Well, it actually was at that point where it wasn't really great because I didn't feel that truth in myself. Mm-hmm. So um, that was probably the biggest aha moment Mm. for me that that changed the way I looked at everything and um, in terms of mental health like just night and day different like I just don't yeah don't have any like real wild experiences so I don't know if I'd give advice for people to do the test and get drunk and write for three (laughs) days but I don't know if it's good advice but um, it definitely was changing for me just to learn self-compassion instead of like self-punishment yeah. a lot of the time. Which yeah. I think is something that a lot of people in this field fall into yeah. because there is such a, um, just such an empathetic nature around mm. majority of the workers, you know, that I spend mm. my time with. There's, there's such empathy for their young people and the work that they do, but that's not reciprocated. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think we've spoken about it before when we did, I was I listening to a podcast? Why are you looking at me like that? You're laughing at me. I was listening to a podcast on something, or maybe it was an audio book, I can't remember, but the guy, had it was talking about self-compassion because it's actually a really tricky thing sometimes to actually be as compassionate with yourself as you, you know, I would be, you or Josh, for example. And and I've spoken about it before, I think, on the podcast, but there was the dude and he said, think of someone that you love and adore, a child that you love and adore, and I thought of my nephew. And then they, and it said, think of the things that you say to yourself and say it to your nephew's face while he sits there and cries. And I was like, I could never. Like, and I started tearing up in the car. I was like, I would never do that. And and the guy was saying, he was like, then why do you do that to yourself Mm. if you're not willing to do it to someone that you love and you care for, Mm. like endlessly, why do you do that to yourself? And I was like, I remember where I was sitting in traffic on my way to work and I was like, yeah. But it is such a hard thing. It's very easy to be compassionate and empathetic to other people, but when you've got to do that for yourself, it's almost it's almost like you think that's selfish. Yeah. And it's absolutely. such a silly, like toxic way to think. Mm. Yeah. But then when you put it out, it's like, well, why wouldn't you be as compassionate to yourself Without as you are to Without your young people? And you I think you can also do that with yourself too, which yeah. is super like I had a conversation with a mate recently, and I won't reveal too much of his story, but um, because, you know, it's, it's kind of his privacy, I guess. Mm. But um, he grew up in a lot of crime, like well, we, a lot of us did. And uh, he had some really brutal, brutal experiences and became homeless. And he had so much self-hate for himself, like a crazy amount of self-hate. And, like, we talked about a particular moment in his life, and again, I won't reveal all of the Hmm. circumstances because it might identify it, but a particular moment in his life, and I just said to him, and I'm saying it in a way that I would say to him, so it might not sound so compassionate, but Hmm. I said, bro, would you walk up to that 16-year-old kid and kick him in the face right now? He's Hmm. like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) I said, because you're that that 16-year-old kid, bro. Hmm. 
and you're kicking that 16-year-old kid's foot in the face every day. And that's the, I mean, that's our connection. Yeah. And he was like, holy shit. And he had this epiphany of yeah. like, mm. I actually need to love myself. Like, yeah. Why am I hating myself? Yeah. Um, and it's said a lot in psychology to go back to the, the, the child. Mm. Mm. But if you're not bringing the moment to bring like realness to it, it's very different. So if I just said, oh, when you went through this traumatic time, oh, let's, or if I just said, would you say that to you as a kid? You might just be like, oh, no, no, no. But then if you've told me a story of for mm. 30 minutes about how this meant something to you, mm. and then we went back to that moment, mm. then you're connected to it. Does that sort of make sense? Absolutely. Like, like it's really it resonates with you because mm. you're, because then a the conversation hasn't become about me and giving you advice. It's become about you and reflecting on a particular moment in your life. And that's where I feel those intrinsic motivators are really big, where you can't make people think things that you want them to think. It has to sort of come naturally out in themselves. So um, that was a really powerful moment um, for him, but it was cool for me to just witness. Yeah. Because literally say, oh, that's great advice, but it's like, no, I'm not he then spoke and spoke and spoke and I literally don't think I said a word for an hour. So he mm. kind of made his own realisation, which mm. was super rad and it's, like, just cool to cool to witness that. Um, and I think I got addicted to witnessing that and that's, like we were talking about, compassion. It becomes mm. so much less about your story and not having a connection to your story at all and all about that particular person and fascination and curiosity mm. with them and building that, I guess, within themselves too. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I think there's something really humble about watching people have, like when you watch the cogs mm. turning and you're like you can see it happening. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. I'm curious to take you just back a little bit. Yeah. Um, you talked about when you're, when you're a younger man yeah. that maybe you sort of, got mixed up in a few things that you shouldn't have and what sure. have you. I'm curious, when did when did your life of living of living that way turn or change and, and and what was it, what was your aha moment or the spark that yeah. made you want to start working with young people yeah, or what one. was okay. it in, the, in the job you might have gone into or career that you, sorry, um, education you might have taken up to start to move in this direction? Um, I think, yeah, I think I, I worked in an, uh, an Indigenous education centre for about four years as a um, going, so I went from the music industry from to doing some sort of TAFE and degree lecturing at universities and then this job sort of came up in Broadmeadows. This is pretty much what got me into youth work. Right. Um, so you studied like youth work or social work? No, which oh. is kind of... Never like to reveal that to people I, love I work that, with. No. <laughs> that's like, that's like, yeah, yeah I no, love that. No, I, no, it's funny because people just have an assumption with the line of work oh, that yeah. I do, oh, yeah. and I'm like, mm, yeah, no, no, I never no. studied past TAFE, and even that yeah. was um, mostly uh, RPL and like online learning. Totally, so, yeah. totally. Yeah. We went to the same school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I did the same thing in music. I taught a degree, but I didn't have a degree. In what you were teaching. Oh, wow. what I was teaching. Yeah. So, fucking like, we have this joke with me and my wife. She's like, you fucking hustled every way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and she goes, how did you do that? And I'm like, Ringwood Station. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, you just, right. you, like, it's, uh, it's, but it's not hustling people. It's no. Like, yeah, you hustle uh, the system. Yeah, and just 
um, having a genuine care for what you do, yeah. I think is a really big thing. If you bring that into your work, then that resonates over a degree. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. A I'm a massive proponent for that only because I fit in that category. Yeah, but I feel yeah. like my experience far outweighs someone that's been to uni. Absolutely. But also I've seen it. You know, time and time again with people. Absolutely, so, yeah, hundred percent. Absolutely I'm right, and I think that, that that's the thing. Like I, I, and this is the challenge that I usually say with people with uni is, I'm like, that's great, mm-hmm. but have you stopped studying? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because uh, uni is just a form of education, which is great. Don't get me wrong. Like that, that mm. is a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it stops, then uh, then it means fuck all. Yeah. Like yeah. not being harsh, but if you no, yeah. if you stop learning That's through right. your life, yeah. that means that you're like, I have my degree and now I have the power to do these things. It's like, well, maybe nah. more get on the level field of the everybody that you're working with and be humble and be like, well, I mm. actually know nothing in every situation that I walk into. Mm. Yeah. And then you'll learn heaps. Yeah. <laughs> so 100%. like, and nothing will give you that. Like, but experience, like nothing will give you that. So um, I think it keeps keeps you humble. Uh, So, yeah, so um, I digress pretty hard there. So... It's what we do here. (laughs) uh, So, yeah, I worked in the Indigenous Education Centre and I think I just worked with a lot of young people just connected with a lot. And um, So was that doing music? Yeah, Ah, so it was doing music. And we just connected big time and then... um, me and I, I can't say that it was just myself, uh, Sophie Dixon, who's also a youth worker now. So we just did this, entered a music program and then absolutely fell in love with these kids. Um, that, um, that was their safe place. So it, it became like a youth centre. So mm. their safe place was that space. So it became way mm. bigger than a music program. Mm. Um, so we had... 10 young people living in a youth foyer experiencing homelessness in one class. Like, that would give you a bit of an understanding of how full on uh, it was. Chaotic. So, um, but I think that that, I think that those kids, those young people taught me so much. I think that they're the ones that taught me a lot and um, they brought the hood kid out in me (laughs) (laughs) big time and battle. But I think, yeah, having that empathy and compassion and, like, going... We're just going, I guess, above and beyond for for the young people. But they were going above and beyond for us too. Like Mm. it really was a given. Like it wasn't like us doing everything for them. Like I don't know. I I look back at those years as some of the fondest years of my life as how much those kids gave to me. Mm. Um, And then we, yeah, got poached from... uh, uh, for the youth foyer from there. So I guess the aha moment for me was... um, uh, I guess just um, wanting to do more of that. I think that was the big thing. Mm. Like it was just a, like I fell in love less with the music and more with the people. Mm. And not to say their music wasn't awesome, but I, but I fell in love with these people like that were just, um, that just gave so much but were talked about like they were dirt. Mm. <laughs> you know, in the area a lot, you know, connected to so some kids that were connected to a lot of broad meadows gangs and things like that and um, and not all, should I say, but, um, you know, kids that would be spoken about differently but they were amazing, amazing, amazing individuals mm. and uh, 
you know, it give you an idea. Like I went from 20% attendance to uh, 80 to 90% attendance. Yeah, so awesome. I was, I, So my argument was with the tafers on like, if you believe in people, they'll come. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, they won't. Because they'd be like, oh, what are you guys doing? And I'm like, believing in people. That's yeah. it. <laughs> you know, and creating a safe space for people to be. Um, and mind you, they passed their courses and did all of that and we can't make them pass. No. Yeah. <laughs> you no. know, so they mm. did that. They did that work. Mm. Um, so it's interesting with a lot of men. So if you look at our work as like 1% of the work but 99% of the work was them because it's doing it. So, yeah. like, I don't walk on stage with you. Mm. I don't do the most terrifying things that you do. And I think that that really inspired me, that the courage and persistence of the young people we worked with was a big aha moment for me Mm. and it set the tone for my career of really believing in people and um and uh yeah I think that was probably the biggest one does that answer the question yeah Yeah. you just said you just said walking out on stage and my heart did set that's how much I hate public speaking I was like (laughs) you know there's a quote there's a quote the most, I think, oh, I'm going to totally fuck up the quote, but it, it's um, the scariest moments in your life, the moments before you die and the moments before public speaking. Yeah, I stand by that. <laughs> so, yeah, I, yeah. I, I hate that. It's, there's, I don't know what movie it is. Mm. Um, I think it's We Brought a Zoo of all okay. movies. But he says in it, all it, his wife says to him, who she passes away. Sorry, fuck spoiler if you've not watched it. Um, <laughs> I always do that. You should watch this movie, the main character dies. <laughs> Such an idiot. Um, yeah, but she, she says to him, all it takes is five seconds of insane courage. And for some reason, I've held on to that in some of the most craziest times in my mm. life. Like when I was in NZ jumping off the cliff, I was like five fucking seconds of courage now. That's all it takes. And I do that every That's time it. if I'm yeah. asked to do like a training or something. Because cool. I do, I get like the sweats and the anxiety about public speaking. And every single time I'm like, all it fucking takes is five seconds. Like you've just got to take the first step. you just got to do it. Yeah. But yeah, I love that. That's cool. Quote as That's, well. Yeah. You said that literally like now I'm really hot because I just like <laughs> imagine stepping on a stage and my heart was like... <laughs> That's yeah. so uncomfortable. Yeah, well, Don't yeah. like it. I love it. Yeah, you're a freak. I love it. I winged our wedding speech. I got <laughs> nah. heaps, yeah, and got heaps of laughs and stuff. I would have fainted. So, I mean, like, uh, what do you say? Like, humbly, I say so, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> I, I, yeah, just, uh, yeah, I love it. I it's, it's funny. I got, I'm okay with public speaking, but then when I, I'm about to launch a website, maybe I should put, yeah, I'm plug the it. We're not going to pay you a thing, so. No, it's um, it's basically like a personal development site for people that experience great disadvantage. So you know how like there's personal development, self-help stuff, but if you then played that to some of the people that we work with, they'd be like, who the fuck is that dude? Yeah. Like, Get the what, fuck out. What is that? Like, you know, it's really tough. I wanted to join the cheerleading team and got knocked back. It's like, I can't relate to that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it's that, but just more um, relatable experiences and things like that. So um, anyway, I'm creating a lot, well, I've created lots of videos for it. Like we're sitting in the studio and you can see that this is, that's my fear space right there. <laughs> yeah, people can't see it, but. Yeah. Um, we can, it counts. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, that was talking to a camera was the big thing. Wow. Like public is a lecturer, this, that, the other. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll be able to do this. Different ball game. Like I was just like 
first of all, you're like overperforming and then you're doing this and that. And then you're like, oh, fuck, I look like an asshole. Or, but then yeah. um, maybe not an asshole, but no, just not confident or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that stuck in my mind and uh, whenever public speaking or doing something like that is this is bigger than you. Mm. You know, what you say is bigger than you. So it's bigger than what you feel. It's actually the people that you're speaking to. Yeah. Mm. So then ever since I did that and then I, I went in front of a camera, I literally looked into that lens and saw people, like the, I'm speaking to people and this is bigger than me and how I feel and that that's ego as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like for that's sure. that's everything. Like mm. so it's just mm. like do I want to be e- with an ego or do I want to be authentic? Yeah. Yeah. Like what are people going to connect with and then that starts to calm you down, I guess, or mm. or you look back and you start going, okay, that's you're being a bit more proud of that kind of work when you when you're thinking of other people. Yeah. Um so I think that was a thing that I took. Yeah. Yeah, like try to Look at it as it's bigger than you, but that might stress you out even more. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know I'll if I've helped it. you out because you might even no, be I like bigger I... than me. Holy shit. So that <laughs> means that. <laughs> no, I think it is true because I think in the context in which I get nervous, like I remember the first time I did a training to yeah. high school students, and I remember the, the last thing that someone said to me was, high school kids are terrorists. And I was like, (laughs) and then I'm like walking out and you've got like year 10s, year 11s, and you're there to talk about drugs and alcohol to them. And they're just like, ha, 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 this person got drunk at a party on the weekend. Or like I remember one kid was like, oi, remember when blah, blah gave blah, blah a blowjob? And I was like, I am not qualified (laughs) to be here. What is this? And so we did like a, um, we managed to get our way through like safe party strategies and all that sort of stuff. And then we got to the end and we were doing an exercise with the beer goggles. Mm. And I mean, to be fair, I don't know like if there's any people listening, fucking the worst tool to use in an AOD training. (laughs) They are not like being drunk. They're have you ever worn, worn no. them, either of you? No. I'm just thinking that most of those kids They're... have been plastered plenty of times. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, we've no got it now. It's okay. Exactly. <laughs> Part of me was a little bit embarrassed giving yeah. out the goggles. So I'm like, these kids have drank before. This is embarrassing. And yeah. they're ridiculous. Like, I put them on at work sometimes just to, like, do things take the piss, but it's not like <laughs> feeling drunk in the slightest. I'll get them for you one day. Um, but we gave out these goggles and then we gave out balls. And, mm. and the whole concept of the exercise was to see if you can catch the ball. You know, oh, this yeah, is what it's like okay. to be inebriated, your motor skills, blah, blah, blah. And then the kids just started pegging the balls at their principal. And I was like, That's so good. Stop throwing the balls at each other. And they're like, but you said to do it. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, what am I doing here? Like, I literally was like, this has been the worst experience of my life. So It was so bad. But I I think in in that moment, I'm sure there was some kids that took some things from what we did. But I think maybe. Didn't pack a bong properly. Yeah. (laughs) No, we, well, a lot of, like, they didn't want you to talk about drugs. They wanted to talk about alcohol. And I'm sitting there being like, Fucking alcohol's the least of your worries, guys. Yeah. Like these kids are out there smoking billies. We need to be chatting about that. But yeah. containing a room of 200 kids to talk about smoking blongs probably wasn't ideal in the moment. Mm. Um, but I think maybe if I stopped mm. and thought, this is bigger than you, it's not about you and your ego going up here. Because a lot of it is. 
what if I fuck up and I say the yeah, wrong absolutely. thing? And it's totally normal. Absolutely. Yeah. And it is so normal. And I don't. Mm. I think it's such a common thing even with my peers. Like I think you're one of the only bloody sociopaths that likes public speaking, but a lot of my <laughs> peers don't like it. It's not something that they're like, ooh, 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 I'd love to do that. Yeah. Yeah. This is bigger than you. Because mm. even if there's one kid in that room that gets, you know, even if you spark a thought process for that person, mm. that's better than where you started. Yeah. And getting over the ego of you don't know all the answers and you never will. And I think which is hard totally. because I'm I'm a pretty open person to admit, like you were saying before, you know, often people don't like to admit when they're, you know, maybe they're intentions were self-serving when working mm. with young people or, you know, mm. maybe I'm doing this more for me than I am for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm generally pretty good and open with acknowledging and observing that stuff. So yeah. it's funny for me that that's where I get caught up is the public speaking and the ego yeah. and made, made to look silly, I guess, mm. which isn't, which wouldn't happen anyway. But you're pretty on your own. Like, it's understandable. Yeah. Like, you're on your own. Like, that's... I'm, I'm going to freak you out even more. But that's fine. No, but it's understandable. You're on your... <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, you're yeah. on your own in the space. So yeah. I think it's a, it's, under, it's completely understandable. I remember when I first started lecturing. Like, I totally shit myself. Like, yeah. And totally wasn't prepared and, like... I remember, like, didn't sleep the night before and yeah. I was just like, what, the f- this is going to be, like, what the fuck? How am I going to do this? Like, I, I, it definitely wasn't something that came natural. Yeah. But, yeah, I think it takes, it definitely, definitely takes time. But it's the bigger than you thing. Yeah. And, it, and, and to even speak to that is people always pick up and they're affected by or deeply affected by the stuff that you saw as, like, really throwaway. Mm. And yeah. the stuff that you thought was majorly important that they, like, life change, that totally just went over their heads. Absolutely. That's the trick. That's where you know it's bigger than you, where you just, they go, you know that when you said that thing and you're like, I don't even remember saying that. Mm. Like, oh, but what about that other thing? Like, Did you think, oh, no, that was, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was just whatever. But it's always those, like, little things. So mm. that, yeah, yeah. Because um, speaking about the standing in front of the camera and stuff, because you made um, just recently some videos for young people yeah. that were like sort of in isolation and what have mm. you. Yeah. Um, how'd they go down? Because that was a pretty cool idea. I haven't, I personally haven't really seen anything come out like that. No. There wasn't like a lame youth worker being like, all right, kids. Yeah. You're like, bored was, at home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was really cool. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it went down really well. Like I, um, the first one that, uh, and I'm going to do some more stuff on it, the 311 video, which is like a yeah. three things you're grateful for, one thing that you could do for yourself, one thing that you could do for someone else. Actually went really down well in a lot of alternative education schools, which I was like, fuck, yeah. that, like they started doing it. So a lot of kids were doing it, even like just where um, one of my friends just told me the other day, like, one of the kids was like, oh, I mean, it might sound small, uh, not big, but it's, like, really big for this young person. They, oh, I made my lunch so my mum didn't have to. Yeah, Because right. my mum's going through heaps of stuff at the moment. Oh, that's And so just cool. stuff like that that... And he's really proud of that. Like, yeah. And, like, and, I, and, like, I could totally <coughs> see why you'd be proud. Like, that's super 100%. cool. And... Um, but, yeah, no, it went down um, really well. I thought it was just a thing to, I just wanted to, I don't know, I would, I didn't, I just started my consultancy business, I guess, and um, and I wasn't getting a lot of leads or anything and I was just like, well, what am I? I'm a youth worker. I, like, I, I'll do something to help 
like mm. rather than want something back or looking for a job or anything like that. Yeah. And it's generally the advice I'd give to any of my friends. I'm like, give, but give wholeheartedly. Don't give to receive. Like yeah. just give wholeheartedly and yeah. good things happen, but you don't think the good things happen bit. Like just put that to the back of your mind and actually lead with, uh, without sounding corny, but with love and compassion yeah. um, of really caring about people. So I think that's what um, led to just doing it and just creating something that was simple and just accessible. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, it went down pretty well. Like D- I was ex- wasn't expecting it. DHS put it out to their networks and it went yeah. through some out-of-home care and... Um, uh, it sort of took a life of its own, I think, which was the, the intention, I guess, for it, just for the kids to grab it and make it their own. And um, I think like anything I release, like if you like it, roll with it. If yeah. you don't, find That's something cool else too. a champion, anything that mm. will help you, like, I guess. So, yeah, um, yeah it was cool. Mm. Yeah, nice one. Yeah. I think that... that story of the boy making his lunch so his mum didn't have to is so fucking sweet. Yeah. Mm. How gorgeous. Totally. And for him to be proud of, like, um, and I know that you were saying, you know, it might sound small, but we often talk about the small yeah. wins and that might be a kid calling you when they're in help, you know, yeah. instead of you calling Absolutely. them. Like, it's all about the small wins. I'm just Absolutely. imagining making a sandwich. It's really totally. cute in totally. my imagination. Yeah. and But they're the wins in our yeah. I mean, That's I do right. that 311 every day of my life. Yeah. Like That's every cool. single day of my life. So... Um, those things would lend into my three one one when I so that entered into my three one one. Like when she told me that, I was like, sure. "That's fucking rad!" Like, yeah. When it takes a life of its own. Yeah. Um, that kid doesn't know me. Probably watched the video and not putting myself down, but probably watched the video and went, "Oh, that's cool," and then didn't watch it again, and then mm. just built it as a part of what he did. Yeah. Um, and then just made it his own. That was the whole point of it, like, yeah. to, for, for that to be. And I think um, teaching gratitude's so important. Like, it's really, really important and it's something that even if you're not feeling it at the time, like, you can write something and not completely feel it, but that, mm. that's okay. Like, mm. you learn gratitude that way. Yeah. Um, I think there's something nice yeah. about doing, like... I'm I'm the ultimate faker when it comes to a gratitude journal because I'll do it for, like, you know, two weeks and then I'll think about it or I'll be like, fuck, those are the things that I were grateful for today. I'll write them down when I get mm. home or, you know, the day just gets away with you and yeah. it's something that I consistently forget to be consistent with. Um, but I find even when I, when I do like make an active effort to write down things that I'm grateful for, whether that's, you know, three to five things or people or Mm. whatever that might be. I even notice in myself as a person being more aware and more observant Mm. around what's going on around me. Mm. And I actually had a moment earlier in the week because I, where I, like I heard, I went outside to have a smoke and I heard, I could hear the kids at the primary school playing. It must have been lunchtime. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God, you could just hear them laughing and playing and they were just like the sun was out, they were having the best time. And I thought, oh, my God, how sweet is that? They're back at school this week and they're having the best fucking time. And there was a part of me that was like, oh, I want to go play with the kids. And I was like, they're not all your niece and nephews. Like, that's weird. You can't do that. Okay, now backtrack, backtrack. But I was like, this. that's actually so beautiful to be able to stop and listen to them. And then when the bell went at 3.30... 
I heard the bell and I, like, put my ear outside and I could hear them doing the same thing. And I was like, how fucking beautiful is it? They're back at school this week. Mm. It's a beautiful day, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And I was like, that's something that I would be grateful for. And then yeah. I get in, like, you know, self-criticism. Oh, you should be doing gratitude journal, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but even for me to stop and observe, that is a mm. big thing because but it was in the middle of my work day. Like, that's what it is. Exactly like, that's right. What, even if you write it down and you don't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, that's what it is. It's like... You know, because we're pretty lucky people. Yeah. You know? I think, oh, yeah. you know, my inspiration for writing one is just like, as a kid, I lost so many people in my life, like to drugs or, you know, some were killed. Like, like shit was real when we grew up, like really fucking hectic. Mm. And um, I interviewed, I did like a little video with actually, we were talking about Todd Williams, um, Louis Nux, and... One thing that really, he said something that really stuck with me. I probably should have said this one before, but <laughs> yeah. live, live for the people that you've lost. Mm. Yeah. So for the things that they couldn't do, that yeah. they didn't have the opportunity to, to, to do, whether they, you know, to believe in themselves, to do this, to that. And I always think of that when I write my journal. So you can be like, I, when I'm working with young people about gratitude, I'm like, it's not like big life-changing fucking mm-hmm. things. No. It's about like really simple things. Mm-hmm. Like that time you had a laugh with your mate. You laughed. Yeah. That's rad. Mm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. life isn't that shit when you get to have a laugh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like those small things and they really add up because there's people, I don't sound without getting morbid, but there's people, you know, think of my life that don't have that opportunity to have a laugh now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that's gone, mm-hmm. you know, like so you can do those things for them and then you can do greater things in your life that they didn't get the opportunity to do. And if nobody believed in them and nobody's believing in you, then maybe you could do some things in your life that create that change for other people that don't believe in themselves to see you, the things that you do is, is super cool. You know what sure. I mean? Like, yeah. I, and they can be really simple things. I remember as a kid we were like, you know, simple things were like what people would call little crim kids and like <laughs> just getting into all this shit. And I remember my friend getting a job as uh, we super young, but they used to do uh, have those... Um, Recycling bins, but they were like black bins. But oh, they were yeah. just like those little like, like oh, a tub. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were like tubs. Yeah. So my friend got a job job doing the black bins, and he was getting like six hundred bucks a week, what? and he was like sixteen, and we were like, "That dude is fucking rich." Yeah. But that was inspiring. And yeah. like, do you know what I mean? Like, I remember as a kid thinking, "Imagine if you got that," and imagine he was like, "The job's pretty chill. Like, people are cool. Like." Um, Actually, it was quite like a lot of Polynesian dudes. They owned it like because it's a black bins, and they'd say it's a black bins, bro. You can't get the job. And I'm just yeah. like, all right, bro. Like, that's pretty sure. rad. <laughs> that's cool. But uh, I used to look up to that and think as a kid, and or a friend getting an apprenticeship or something, and I'm like, you're getting out. Mm. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you're getting out of this shit. Like, like there's a way. And so it's small things, and I remember those things of like when we work with a young person and they get an apprenticeship, mm. like, that's not just big for us. No. It's mm. big for so many people in their networks mm. or, you know, the people that really look up to them, even if they're not having the conversations themselves. So, like, those those things, there's plenty to be grateful for, I guess. Mm. You know, um, yeah, the things I like to think about. 
It's mm. funny, isn't it? Because it's like the ripple effect and we often, I think something yeah. that comes to mind when you were talking then <clears throat> was that we often reference as workers the ripple effect that negative things can, um, I get because of negative things, the ripple effect that occurs. Yeah. So, you know, we talk about things like suicide contagion mm. or, you know, um, you know, self-harm in a resi, for example, or, you know, maybe chroming in a resi and then mm. that becomes the ripple effect of the other kids at the resi that start mm. um, chroming or <clears throat> whatever that might be. But we often don't do that with the positives. Yeah. And I was just absolutely. thinking that as you were talking because I was like, yeah, no shit. How many times does a young person, you know, go back to school or get a job and, and for their mates they're like, oh, fuck, he can do it, I can do it. Totally. Mm. Or if she's at TAFE, I can go to TAFE, yeah, you know, and we absolutely. don't often reference that side of the ripple effect it's often just the limelight is on the negative and you know almost mm. like that mitigate risk mm. and mm. you know reactive i guess whereas totally. we're not thinking of the positive side of those absolutely mm. and we don't things. get exposed to them i mean i no. remember i don't know if you guys remember when you were young people like, i'd never spoke to adults about that shit mm. like or <laughs> do you know what i mean like with youth workers that i've worked with or anything i'm like yeah. i never was like oh you know i was just I was generally like, when's this going to end? <laughs> do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, when's this going to end? I've I got shit to do. Yeah, I got um, places to and, be. But, uh, but it wasn't that I wasn't thinking that, you know, like I could probably do good things. It just was sitting in the back of my mind and, mm. like, I always think of those things of young people. Like, the shit sitting in the back of their mind is just what is that shit? Like, yeah. I don't know what it is, but if I ask them, they're not going to tell me. But if... We have experiences, they'll come out and that'll happen and mm. some special stuff will happen and then that's where the relationship builds, like, and it's super cool. Like, and you do things with no, you know, um, that are, that have impact, I guess, have impact on, on them. You can expose them to opportunities that have impact and, um, yeah, I think it's that, like, it, I think like any youth worker should um, believing in young people even when they don't believe in themselves mm. is the biggest thing, you know, um, and That's what does that job, look right? like? Yeah, 100%. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm. It made I... me think when you were saying about the, um, like, see, or not sort of identifying, I suppose, the opportunities or the times when yeah. you yeah. see the positive thing flow on effect. Totally. Like I had the, I had a client that was in a resi and another young man that was in resi as well um, who was going to mainstream high school mm. and people used to acknowledge that, like, he goes to mainstream high school like it was like a phenomenon. Yeah. I, I get that word up. You did. I'm um, so excited that you found it. <laughs> um, I'm also not going to correct you because I reckon I'd fuck it too. <laughs> um, All but, three of us would. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, um, no, no. <laughs> Um, that's what I was laughing before because you got a word wrong. Oh, did oh, I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember what it was now, though. Oh, um, sure, listen. But yeah, that was so. That was one thing. And there was another guy, another another young young guy, who started going to TAFE and needed some help with some stuff. Mm. And I was like, oh, um, I caught about a tutor for maths. Yeah. And he was doing a pre-out for elect to be an electrician. So there's mm. some pretty complicated yeah. maths in there. Mm. He's like, oh, you know, it's fucking gay, whatever. His words. Yeah. And um, I was like, all right, bro. I was like, you know that. Like, old mate has a tutor. And he's like, oh, you, you know, fucking whatever. You know. And then, like, I think, I can't remember if I hung out for a little while. I came back the next day and he was like, 
hey, bro, well, will we said about that tutor? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, because it was like the other kid was doing it and, and he could see the positive side of it and yeah. that it wasn't mm. gay in his words. And, yeah. you know, like yeah. it's just really, yeah. there's this cool little flow-on effect. And yeah, that house absolutely. actually was really stable for a while. And he's like all these, um, it was all boys at the time, were like all just um, engaging in these really positive activities cool. and engaging with their care teams and stuff. But that positivity Sick. kind of rippled through. But yeah. you're right, not often. Not often. Where you is kind a of reference. either reference it, identify it yourself, or um, sometimes it just doesn't happen, I suppose. But mm. um, I think, like, you know, and I, I love like the mm. word that you use, like championing something. Mm. Yeah. Um, mm. Like to champion that when mm. it is occurring, mm. to, uh, you know, like make a big deal of it. Because we would quickly write an email to all the care team members that, like, that, um, you know, yeah, all the kids are chroming in the house and we need yeah. to quickly. Get all the aerosol cans out. All the mm. kids need uh, roll-on deodorant. You know, don't let them go down to Coles because you know they're going to nick the deodorant. But do we ever email a care team and be like, hey, just letting you know that we've got a tutor coming on a Tuesday and if any other kids want to get involved that yeah. maybe they should or whatever, you know. Yeah. Like it's or just even so your funny. good news stories. Yeah, your good totally. news stories, yeah. And I get the response mm. for the health and safety aspects Absolutely. and all that sort of stuff. Like, but, I mean, kids getting educated and... And engaging in a positive program. That's huge. Pretty important too. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I think that, I think where it starts, and this is where I um, a lot of this is where a lot of my consultancy work is, and I'm doing some consultancy with um, Uniting in the East. Um, you know, Uniting, not yeah. the oh, yeah. So a lot of people go Uniting Church, and I'm like, not that, <laughs> not not, well, not, can, not putting anybody down or yeah. anything. But I'm not the kind of guy that looks like he'd walk into Uniting. <laughs> um, it's good to clarify though, because that. I think as many uh, experienced or people who have been working in the field for a long time may listen to the podcast or part of the Facebook group, yeah, but we find know. a lot of people that are um, that are new to the field have, have joined the group or hopefully listen to the yeah. podcast too. So any clarifying points is good to make. Totally. So, yeah. and, and it's also important even with a lot of, like <laughs> when we talk about Brotherhood of St. Lawrence, people would think, you know, there's complete religious, t- like yeah, yeah. when you look, not, and again, I'm not against anything and I, I don't, but yeah. it's like, a lot of the organisations mm. have, have changed since, yeah. like, and they're not that way at all. Like, um, yeah. I'm personally worked for those organisations. I'm not a religious person, but I, yeah, again, I've got nothing against it or yeah. anything. Like yeah, that. and it's not and like I'm they wouldn't that. employ you because you weren't, you know, you didn't have the same religious <laughs> Our affiliations whole team wasn't. as them. Yeah. yeah, like things have moved on from from there, <laughs> and um, yeah, so it's sort of like, and it's uh, the underpinnings of the work is very different. Um, and I say that not to, again, put no. organisations down that do do that. That's really cool. But sometimes mm. that can be service barriers for young people. Mm-hmm. Like I'd usually say BSL before I'd say Brotherhood of St Lawrence to a young person. Yeah. Because yeah. they'd be like, whoa, bro, are you trying to convert me to this? <laughs> honestly, that, yeah, honestly sure. that would absolutely happen. Mm. For sure. Because um, uh, it's such an intimidating name. When you think about the Brotherhood, like, people would literally yeah. bring us in and go, oh, the Brotherhood's here. And I'm like, whoa, we sound like a cop. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> it's um, such a bad habit by us as well by being like, I knew what BSL was <laughs> yeah. for years before I knew BSL was Brotherhood of Sublime. Yeah, I thought absolutely. they were two different organisations. Yeah, totally. I'm not realising yeah. it was an acronym. Yeah, well, that's really interesting to know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... Um, I feel like I just, what, what was my point? Um, like you're I, doing some consultancy with oh, the yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry. So a big part of the work, and this is where I work with workers, and they go, oh, yeah, we work in a capabilities way and this and that. And I'm like, yeah, you do. But 
the work that you're talking about, where is that in any of our paperwork? Mm. Like where is it? It's very risk-focused, yes. extremely risk-focused. And then they'll be like, oh, there'll be a strength section. And I'm like, yeah, no, but the risk is all broken up and none of the strengths are. Yes. The strengths is just a section that you put some strengths in. And it'll say strengths. Yeah, and it'll, it'll literally the, say strengths. And it'll be at and the bottom like, of the care team minutes. Yes. But yeah. sometimes you just skip over it because you spend an hour talking about all the bad stuff. Exactly. Yes. And that's what care teams <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Uh, are a lot of the time. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I've been in some brilliant care teams, yeah. where, but it was a rarity. Mm. Yeah. Uh, where... Uh, my challenge was to a lot of organisations and I uh, did this training across the state to, have you heard of Better Futures? Yeah. Like, yeah. So I was the trainer for all of the Better Futures stuff and uh, about reform for, for leaving care mm. um, to really make it a, um, an advantage thinking reform as opposed to like focusing on risk and focusing on, uh, um, on deficits and mm. like balancing it out. And, yeah, they'd be like, oh, I work in this way. And I'm like, yeah, you do, but where's that captured? And then I'd say to managers, you've got people doing great things in your team and none of it's captured. You've got, you know, there's nowhere to write it, there's nowhere to document it, there's nowhere to this. And then you wonder why risk keeps popping up all the time. And then you wonder why it's the focus of a lot of our work, where it should be acknowledged and it should be a part of our work because we're here to keep people safe. But... Where are we bringing out that other side and how are we breaking that open mm. rather than just, you know, like strengths is not a box to fill out. Mm. You know, strengths and capabilities is not, would you describe yourself as strengths and capabilities in a box? Like you wouldn't. No. You know, there's like that's and, you know, and I think a, a lot of young people are, are sick of it for, for that to happen or worst case scenario, they believe that they're not. Yeah. Strong. Mm. Like they believe when you're looking at a form or, and it's all about your risk, that's how you paint your picture. Mm. You know, I've had young people um, introduce themselves of what category of risk they are to yeah. like wear it like a badge. You know, yeah. I'm a level four, kind of watch out. Mm. And I'm like, no, there's a fucking rad dude underneath all of that or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um and there always is. Yeah. But there's not a focus on that and there's some good workers. Mm. So that's why it's interesting when you go out to training because the workers will go, yeah, cool, and I'm like, awesome, I want to support your work. Mm. So I'm not here to teach you how to be a better youth worker. I'm mm. here to support all of this good work that you're doing and capture that work so that becomes a big part of what we're doing because care teams, in my opinion, should be split in two. Mm. They should be split in... What are we doing to keep people safe and what are we doing to progress? And imagine if every single one of those meetings was like that and it's absolutely, you know, uh, mm. it's absolutely a possibility and I don't care where that young person is and how high level they are or, or anything like that mm. um, because, I, you know, the challenge really is if we are focusing on those risks, I mean, you guys have set those care teams, how many times are we speaking about the same risk and we're in the same spot mm. six months later and the same tasks are put forward <laughs> in care teams that are not done by particular, not shooting down, <laughs> but not done. Yeah. So I'm like, well, we're not doing this anyway. So yeah. do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. It becomes time-wasting. So yeah, we sure. come in 
and start to change those. And care teams to change. And then young people would attend their care teams. Mm. Like, yeah. And that's the other to, thing. Yeah. Who Why would, would you want, want to attend your own and a your, like... your fortnightly intervention? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, who now the fuck we've all wants came to be here in to have thing? a chat. Like, yeah. We've noticed your substance use has increased the past. And they all get weird. <laughs> I like, call it that weird friendly youth worker thing where the kids know that you're about to talk about some fucked up shit, but they're like, hey, Jared. Yeah. How's it going? Hi. How's the so and so that I don't know much about? Yeah. Or yeah. not being harsh, but no, you know what I mean? Like, no, it's no. really. Seriously. Um, but how do we really see people as human beings? And honestly, like, in terms of workers, I see, you know, the majority of workers I meet are great. Yeah. Like I really do. I say majority, like they're mm. really great. It's just when your great work's not championed much at all, mm. then that's you get burnout, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Be... Like you'd start it's like, oh risk, 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 and like, oh yeah, but there's these things that are happening that we could really work on that would build that, but there's no platform to build that. It's not in the paperwork, it's not even it's not even in the foundations of the underpinnings of their work. Mm. So if you if I, I go, what underpins your work and they'll start talking about safety, crisis, this, mm. that and the other. And I'm like, man, um, if you keep people in that space, it's pretty 101 psychology that they're either going to stay in that space or they're fucking amazing people that move the earth that get out of that space. Like if mm. you think of the young people that get through the system mm. and succeed, mm. they're pretty phenomenal. Yeah. You know, and... Or, and don't get me wrong, like, there's workers that are great in their corner, but they're pretty phenomenal people. Yeah. Um, but how do we create that that supports workers to do the good work that they're doing and, you know, and then that builds into then you're building more community connections rather than system connections. Sure. You're building more of that, that work. Um, and I hear that, like, even 30 years ago, apparently youth work was more like that. Mm. Like it's almost like it went connected. from, yeah, Yeah, that. like that's what I, I can't say I experienced it myself, but I've mm. experienced it, but yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. I'm not um, old enough to have experienced it either, but I've definitely heard even things when we've talked about previously around, you know, like the assertive outreach and just mm. being on the streets and, yeah. you know, finding kids and not the you come to us, we come and find you in your place, you know, yeah. wherever you're at and and, and just chat. Yeah. Um, I agree. Sorry. No, no, you go. I was going to say the only, so I'll call it like the, and I don't know this for sure, but like Mm. the stereotypical, like the Les 20 men youth work or like that dirty, grimy street youth work. Yeah. Or like what um, an interesting program that still runs is street works in the city. Um, So for anyone who doesn't know, I think they start at like four in the afternoon or something and then work through to like one o'clock in the morning and do active outreach in the city. Yeah. but yeah, like that, as far as I'm aware, is like one of the few anyway programs that kind of do like that kind of old school air quotes. Natalie's air quotes. Um, <laughs> she does this heaps on a podcast. But don't <laughs> say what I'm doing. So I'm like, oh my God, all these people think I'm um, making all of these fucking ignorant comments, not realizing but, I'm doing air quotes. Yeah, but just that it's, it's such a cool theory. I, I said um, in my previous role, and I never, I could have probably could have pushed a little harder, but I was like, we should be, we should have the opportunity to work like 10 to 6. Or eleven till seven. Yeah, to catch sure. all the kids like in those dusky, dusk that night, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. dusky hours where mm, they sort of mm. start to come out of their little 
Rabbit Warrens. The Rabbit Warrens. They're awake. They're, they're, they're awake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To catch them out and, like, not catch them out, but catch them out in the street and doing their yeah. thing. So you can see them. So you can see them and actually totally. do your thing. Instead of, like, I remember so many times, and I'm off topic now, but, like, trying to do, like, active outreach, air quotes, trying to find a kid at, like, 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and it was, like, to tick a box. Because yeah. it's a ticker box. Yeah, no, I know, but I'm saying, yeah. like, as a worker, I'm like, yeah. what? Like, yeah. if they were, like, going fine, yeah. I'd be like, fucking 10 o'clock in the morning, that yeah. motherfucker is schnozzing. Yeah. Leave him to it. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, like, or oh. you go into a unit or whatever, and they're like, yeah. the workers awkwardly trying to wake him up, and yeah. you're like, oh. <laughs> I don't know if you've got the relationship. Yeah. Like, they've got I don't know if I can touch him whilst it's there. Like, you just say, fuck off. Yeah. Like, and it's like, and it's like, oh, no, it's Shane. Oh, Shane, all right, wait. Yeah. 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 And I'm yeah. like, oh, fuck, I really shouldn't be here I just, at this time. Why am I here? Yeah. Like, you know, you you did say this time and then, yeah, anyway. <laughs> and they do the old, like, um, oh, like, just wait in the kitchen. I'll be there in, like, 15 minutes. And then they just come back. It's like they may as well be like Snoop Dogg. It's just yeah. like a cloud of <laughs> marijuana haze behind them. Like, all right, I'm good to go. What do you want to talk to me about? Like, okay. God, yeah. but some of you those... Do your com- thing. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally, totally. Oh, you get it sometimes that they're thinking about having a, like a mental conversation or something. Yeah. Oh. It's like, Jesus. It's like, funny. I think sometimes well, the situations that young people are placed in, you just think... I remember one time just saying, um, you know, coming from the music industry and being a music manager, I'm like, fuck, these kids need managers with the amount of oh, meetings yeah. they've got to go to. Oh, like, yeah. How the f- they're like, didn't turn up to a meeting. I'm like, there's 15 of you. Yeah. That means, I'm, I'm guessing that there's, like, at least six meetings a week. That's hectic to yeah. Like, yeah. to be, like, to manage that even, you know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, think of you when you're 16, six meetings in a week or, you know what I mean? Like, you've yeah. got to attend and go to and, Not a you know. Like, Why isn't he going to school? Why isn't he working? Yeah. Why can't he do this? Why can't he do that? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Because he's got a fucking calendar full of us giving him yeah, a hard time. Exactly. Or, or, you know, all the classic care team at one o'clock when they're at school till two yeah, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, man, you didn't even give them the opportunity to come. And they're like, oh, yeah. they won't come. I'm like, don't yeah, the, ever the say standard, that. Yeah, the standard, oh, they like, just won't come. Yeah, it's just like, don't say that. Like, mm. Every kid should be, every young person should be invited to their yeah. care team. Like, I remember a no kid matter saying who they are. to oh. me once, I was like, oh, are you coming to your care team? Just like a, are you going to be there later? Yeah. And they were like, no. And I was like, why don't you go to your care teams? And they were like, oh, I've never been invited. And I was like. Oh, constant. Sorry? Yeah. They were like, well, why do I need to be there? I'm like, well, it's a meeting about your care. Yeah. So, you know, when like we are in appointments and you talk about, oh, yeah, no, I tell, like, the care team I need, like, my clothing allowance or tell them that I'm interested in doing, like, my white card or all of these things. That's where you come and you hold us accountable and you say, Mm. I want to get my white card. Which one of you is going to sort that out or help me Mm. do that? Mm. You said you were going to do that last week and you didn't kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That kind of, I was exactly the same way. We used to get them in the work. We had a care team form where we'd get, the young people to fill everything out that they want and we'd, it was a, I used to call it small voice, big voice because the care team would be like, crisis, <laughs> and then eventually you'd get your small voice become the big voice because things start like, oh, it's crazy. You believe in young people and shit starts to change. You know, yeah. like things start to change. It's a slow change. It's not like we walk in and everything, life turns upside down. It's not but, a car wash. No, totally. But, <laughs> but you'd have that, that slow move, good. but you'd, 
but we used to get them to actually write down all of the bits and pieces and that they were wanting to address in their care team in different, you know, sort of life domains or whatever. Yeah. And uh, get them to set the agenda for their care team. Like mm. that was the agenda for the care team because right. I'd say to them, this is your life. This yeah. is actually your care team. It's not the care team of everybody that no. you have to attend. You, this is your meeting and it's your life. Mm. So that can be pretty overwhelming at the start. So we'd get them to set that agenda and then I'd go in with the agenda, we'd do all of that and then come back and say these are the things that they're going to be doing. It'd be, you know, it'd be really good if you are saying this instead of me. Like, mm. because then you can hold all of these guys accountable mm. for Absolutely. this stuff. Absolutely. And to be honest, like... I think there's a lot of people in care teams that want to do that work and they want to they want to understand the young person more and you know like I learned from you know going into a lot of these spaces that it's about sort of understanding who who has what place in a care team mm. so like if I was talking to child protection who might have a caseload of like 30 young people mm. To then go and say you need to build community connections and do all of that, well, that's pretty fucking hard, right? Like that's really difficult for them to do. But mm. when we do build community connections in the care team and you can okay things and you can do that mm. in a timely manner, you have no idea what that does for us. Mm. So then child protection becomes like this amazing part of the care team. Yes. You know, and then you include them in that part of the story to say, although you're really this particular work is really busy, what they did um, to okay this in a particular time frame meant the world for this young person. They had this, this and this, this and this opportunity. And, you know, I say that because I think child protection as an area is a tough area to work in. Yeah. And if you can do those things and have those impacts, that means the world to that worker. You yeah. know what I mean? Because they, they give for a sure. shit. Like, mm. they don't not give a shit. No, of course not. <laughs> and in turn, I mean? yeah. that would be a really good rupture and repair strategy for that young person. Because how many young people have you worked with that have been like, nah, fuck the department or mm. fuck job protection, yeah. they've ruined my life. Yeah. But really, a lot of the time, they're the they're the shock callers in those situations. So if you were to do that, yeah. to allow them the time to be able to actually focus on things and, and get things approved stuff. and whatever, and you then communicated that to your young people to explain, yeah. hey, I know that you think X, Y, and Z, yeah. but this could occur because of them. And explain yeah. that and have almost like that repair sort of conversation with mm. them, you can then build a more therapeutic relationship between a young person and child protection. Absolutely, absolutely. Because it's a massive roadblock. <clears throat> absolutely. And that's, I guess, that whole idea of Better Futures coming into that space. Yeah. For anybody that's listening, that Better Futures is basically like workers coming in to... Um, it's not really around case management, although people would argue that it is case management, but it's really around um, being almost like a coach for that care team to come in early at 15 and nine months um, before that young person turns 18 and is like sort of released from care. They can, that Better Futures worker can work with them up to 21 years old, mm. which is amazing. Yeah. Mm. Um, and they're tied up with a, a with some funding, which is really uh, related to more, and I don't want to speak too much about their funding without, because if I get it wrong, I might <laughs> cop some stuff from Better Futures workers, but their funding is mainly um, in the leaving care space, which yeah. is really kind of cool. So mm. they kind of guide in the in the uh, care space and they come in those care teams and they can guide some of those care teams around transition and then future-focused planning as opposed to, you know, uh, 
what are the just need for housing and basic necessities to leave when you're 18? Well, that's kind of a, you know, a fucked up way to leave a young mm. person in, at 18 years old. That's where that space sort of comes in and sort of says, well, well, I can sort of be in your corner, but if we can get as much of that post work done as possible, like mm. housing and building some of those connections mm. or whatever we skills can do in, our, in skills and all yeah. of that stuff in post care, then they can start doing really meaningful work post 18. Like that's that whole idea. Otherwise, they just become a housing worker or, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, so it's actually like a really, really awesome space to be in because it's really future focused. It's really about. What, what great things could that young person do in their future and how could we set that young person up as a care team to start building that at 15 and nine months. So when I'm working with them in that post-care space, um, it's a lot more positive and yeah. then leaving care theoretically is supposed to become less stressful for young people because we're not looking at how can we just get you a house and hook you up with some furniture? Yeah. Where how can we really set you up for your future based on some of those strengths that you have, based on community connections, based on, you know, um, I guess what any young person should be entitled to when they're 18, which is community connections and people that believe in them. So, like, how Absolutely. can we build those connections for... Um, for post-care spaces. Mm. I hate saying leaving care and post-care, but because mm. <laughs> you say leaving care, it's like the shit your pants. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's always like, oh, God, I, it's just, you well, know, it's scary time for I think a lot of young people. But Yeah, super mm. stressful. And even I think, you know, you made comment of it being 15 and nine months. That in itself is huge. Like I don't know that people understand that might seem early, but that's no, not early. No way. Like you're prepping that kid. You think if a kid's in out-of-home care and they're in a residential unit, for example, yeah. that resi and child protection are their guardian. Yeah. You know, that's who cares for them. Mm. And then at 18, they all fuck off. Yep, they're gone. So, and rarely. Sometimes 17 or nine months they're closing. Yeah. Or 17, six months. Yeah, so. rarely yeah. a kid is there mm. until 18. Like yeah. rarely. I'm yet to see it happen. Mm. So mm. you think like a lot of people are like, oh, fuck, but fuck, 15, nine months, that's early. It's like, no, no, no. No way. That's that kid's like future. You've got to set them up here because there is things like leaving care and they do have to go into independent living properties, you know, mm. and that's not, you know, something that they've ever had to experience. And you think about, you know, I think about if it was a mainstream kid at a mainstream school that still lived with family, would they mm. be leaving home before 18? No way. Mm. No. Not but it's likely. just, it's almost, it's like, it's weird to, there's been a couple of times that people have been like, fuck, leaving care prep already. Like, that's crazy. There's but so it's much such a tumultuous do. process. Yeah. And if you're focusing all on the crisis, and don't get me wrong, like, it's, crisis is there. But yeah, like, you have to. Because people mm. will be like, it's, it's, like, I'm like, we've done this work. Like, mm. it's, like, we worked in crisis. It's not that like the young people we worked with were not, you know. Like, yeah. You know, like, I work with young people who are in and out of prison, like, you know, three times and going into leaving care and we've had great successes going outside of mm. outside of that with mm. the work. And it does take time. That's yeah. why it has to be early. It yeah. takes time and it takes time to build strengths and it takes time to um, to build these spaces and um, and to build this work. And it's and it totally is that, mm. you know, um, holding space in that. Uh, in that time from 15 and nine months to 18. Well, and technically to 21 if they can 
you know, they link in with better better futures, but they're mm. the only worker, mm. yeah. you know. And if they become the housing worker, that's a disaster. Like, yeah. I know, and that's going to be controversial that I say that, but, like, because <laughs> they're like, oh, we will, and it's like, no, you can't. The 15 and nine months is to start because we know that we're totally aware that there's a housing crisis. Absolutely. You know, and the amount of times I've gone into care teams and the discussion of housing is at 17 and six mm-hmm. months and you just think that can't be, the discussion can't happen earlier. Mm. Where we had same care teams, same young people in crisis where we started working with them and then set up ideal mm. um because housing's big. It's not a roof over your head. You no. can, like, no. if you've not built a uh, connection with community, you you know, it sets people, it's psychology 101. It sets mm-hmm. people up to loneliness, to, yep. you know, isolation, to especially if it's away from their networks. Yeah. Um, housing's not the problem solved. Um, and I think a lot of workers know that. It's not the problem solved. So mm. it's more how do we do this work? earlier so we're mm. looking at all different options like i've worked with a young person we were able to link them in with foyer yeah but then if you had said foyer when we first started working with that young person nobody would have put put that on the cards mm. but it's really opening up opportunities building experiences doing this and then saying okay you want to study this this mm. is a housing accommodation and we worked on that for 12 months yeah <laughs> do you know what i mean building yeah. that space what would you do if you had your own house? What would you do if you had this? How would you make that, sp- oh, it's like one of the videos, how would you make that dope? Yeah. Like how would, rather than, so it's your space and yeah. it promotes all the things that we've talked about, how would that build your strengths? How would you walk into that space and make it, you know, a space that you're proud of or, you know, that makes you feel feel strong and feel, um, you know, resilient and all of those things. Mm. Um, because they're our houses, right? Your mm. house yeah. is your home and they're the things that, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I think a lot of people set up their places that way. So it's sort of like how do we do that work early, mm. like really, really early where we can sort of have that those kind of conversations at 16 where, you, you know, a young person's saying, fuck off, I'm not thinking about that. Yeah. To, Oh, yeah, what was that? Like yeah, you were talking what? about before? Mm. What was that you were talking about? Mm. Oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. Like I could probably look at, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, yeah. yeah. Having these conversations earlier is so important. And having, and giving, and because I've had to explain this sometimes, whether it's to new staff or parents or carers, whatever, yeah. that you, by starting something at 16 um, allows it to fail with a safety net underneath it. Totally. Because that is a possibility. Totally. Um, but it allows us to get a second okay. or even a third run sometimes yeah, at it, you know. But if we don't set the young person up as best we can, or sorry, if we were to not do as best we could and sort of mm. let them go at 18 without having set these things up or given Absolutely. it a trial run, if it fails, well, there's potentially no one there to catch them. Yeah. Maybe yeah. there's a better futures worker, maybe like a drug and alcohol that stays on um, past 18. But not a care team, not a big, strong yeah, care team. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like that you absolutely. have before. And that worker's not yeah. going to be able to cater for... Everything. No way. Like, their no. caseloads become massive. There's Better Futures workers, a small yeah. amount of workers, massive caseloads. Yeah. Like, in, in some areas, especially rural areas, that you want mm. to have done that work prior. So yep. they could mm-hmm. almost be... You know, I think they're linking with community connectors. That was last I heard, they were working with building community connection space. I don't know what that's looking like at the moment, but they could work in with that and creating that best environment so that 
better futures worker is really just making strong connections with that young person is you know because you're trying to set them up for, yeah for success in their lives like and it doesn't matter where they're from and like I said every there's every young person on the sum we worked with the young person that was like you know destined for strength and doing great things to a young person that was completely on the other end where people would like, no, no way. But mm. that same thing could be in them too. Like, mm. it's not for us to say. That's it's it. just for us to support and, and build. True. Yeah. Very true. Mm. I have an odd question that's not in line with youth work, yeah. really. <laughs> but I'm sitting here, I guess, to set the scene for people. You've got all of your photography prints behind you that <laughs> I keep, like, glancing at while you're talking. <laughs> Why do you only photograph in black and white? Ah, um, interesting question. I think I just, as a photographer, I was just inspired by, um, like, 90s skateboard photography and, and mm. punk photography. Yeah. It was really contrasty. Yep. So it was, like, big whites, big blacks. I don't know if you've seen old skate books and yeah, stuff yeah. like mm. where it was, like, before things got too fancy, you know, mm. like, um, and, you know, if you see those old punk photography, you know, like that old punk scene kind of photos, I think that was the big um, inspiration. Um, and I think that I'm just, don't like, um, I've got lots of tattoos and I don't have any colour tattoos. I yeah. just like, I like, I like looking at other people's colour stuff, though. <laughs> like, yeah. it's not that I don't like it. I just don't think it's my style. It's just not but, for you. Um, yeah, I think I just see everything in black and white whenever I take photos. But if, funnily enough, I shoot in colour, but then I need to because I need to see, I need to know what it's like. It's really, I've got this weird process. But <laughs> my friend who's a photographer is like, bro, just shoot in black and white. Why do you do that? Like, <laughs> nobody does what you do. And I'm like, well, you know, What's your own fancy there's lots of shades then? in black and white. Like, <laughs> you just, you see that grey as a shade, I see that as a red shade. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. that's red and that works like that. So, For sure. You know, so um, unless I'm shooting film, then I, then I shoot black and white. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just wondered if there was a theory behind it. I really love the one, I know I love the nude dude. Yeah. For sure, he's my ultimate favourite. Yeah, <laughs> but I am. <laughs> I just love that his bum's out yeah. and his runners are on. It's the best. But I like the one in the top corner, and I'm pretty sure it says it takes the hood to save the hood. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that. Uh, is that from San Fran? Yeah, from <laughs> San Fran, two dudes walking across. I think it might have been Oakland. Okay. It might have been in Oakland. I think it was. Yeah, right. It's sort of like across the. Memory across a bridge, cycling across a bridge. Yeah, I can't remember either yeah. way, but it's uh, yeah, it was in Oakland. And um, sorry, a lot of my photography is just more around. I go to lower socioeconomic areas um, and try to create or just create, that's um, capture, should I say, yeah, uh, the strong legacy of hardship, so the strength in, in areas that are um not seen as, uh, or seen as dangerous, I guess. But, yeah. but if you walk them, they're not what you think, mm. you know? Yeah. So, um, so I go to a lot of, um, yeah, I guess what you'd see is rougher areas, but you, man, like the heart you find in those areas. And, yeah. Um, and the 
strength and power that you, and that's what I try to capture as much as I can. So mm. in in all of my photos, um, and I think that that underpins my youth work. Yeah. I guess so. That mm. really underpins a lot of my youth work is right. How do we create the strength and power? Oh, sorry, strength and legacy in hardship. Mm. Um, and how do we capture that and grow that? So for sure. Um, you know, you could go to an area like South Bronx and people will talk about the heroin trade, mm. but like how it's really rife with heroin and it's really, really full on. But, you know, the community spirit in South Bronx is actually what you'll really see when you walk that. Yeah. Like yeah. the community spirit. And I mean, like people that are, um, uh, that, have addictions are a part of those communities as well. Like, yeah. so it's really, like, these really strong communities. Like, I met this dude who's, like, playing stick, old stickball in the street that's an old Bronx sort of thing, and then all of the kids come and he's, like, this old, old dude that plays stickball in the street and, like, all of the kids in the community come and play stickball. He invites them and they've got, like, this Bronx garden and he's like, everybody's welcome there, from the kids to, you know, gang members to this, that and the other. And then you sort of see these beautiful sides of what would be considered tough or, yeah. Yeah. or be afraid of this guy where it's like, it's just not like that yeah. at all. For sure. Um, in fact, I generally say to friends that I've gone through, I'd say the toughest neighbourhoods in America and I'd say I'd be more in fear on, on at Melbourne on a Saturday night than I would in any of those places. Yeah, right. Because there's like a, I don't know, there's like a respect yeah. thing that people have. You're not there to, if you're there to, I don't know, you have a genuine love and love for people and you're not there to sort of exploit hardship or anything like that. You mm. build these great connections where, you know, like Melbourne on a... Saturday night, mm. it's a footy team, so fuck you looking at it. Yeah. Right? This, yeah. like, there's no fear or, or there's not that. Do you know, do you know what sure. I mean? Yeah, like yeah, there's sure. like a little bit yeah. more cockiness. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Um, I generally say to my friends, it's like maybe it is the gun thing. Like mm. people might be like, yeah, we're probably not going to start a fight with just anybody because you might have a gun. Where, yeah. Yeah. where like maybe with people in Melbourne, they're just like fearless or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, um, but yeah, it's like, you, you uh, just was able to get access to some really special moments and, um, yeah, it's really cool, really, mm. um, yeah, tumbling. It is. And mm. they're quite beautiful pictures, even the people in the pictures. Thank you. That are... Mm. Yeah, plug your Instagram. Yeah, yeah. So people can check out these pictures. Yeah, right. you've, got, you've got a bunch of different places <laughs> people can find you, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so in my photography, I go by the name Johnny Brixton. Um, so uh, Brixton, like the place uh, yep. with the X. Uh, so Johnny Brixton, so that's my Instagram. Yeah. Um, and uh, the... The personal development work that is going to be probably, I don't know when this episode's going to be launched, but I'd imagine it would be launched at that, at that point, um, is Wounds and Wisdom. So that's woundsandwisdom.life. Um, and all my consultancy work, so working in um, uh, the capabilities frameworks, uh, is just shanehood.com.au. Perfect. Yeah, so that's my stuff. Wounds and Wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, 
can because we talked about it, but I think that we kind of ran over it really quickly. Can you remind everybody the three one one? Because I think you talked about it so passionately sure. yeah. that if people want to include it in part of their daily or weekly Absolutely. routine or sharing with young people, so the three one one is three things that you're grateful for. Yeah. One thing that you'll do for yourself today to make yourself feel good or feel strong, and then one thing that you can do for somebody else. So they're all really, the whole idea that it's a daily practice is it's simple, keep it really simple. Something you could do for someone else is check in on a mate. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Or, yeah. you know, sometimes with me, I might be like, oh, I've got to be more attentive to my family today mm. because I've been wrapped up a lot in my, you know, consultancy work and my work. I'm going to be more attentive and present with my family today. So that's giving back. Yeah, you know what sure. I mean? So yeah. it can be like really little things or and or sending a text to a mate, mm. you know, that might be having a rough time. Yeah. I'm there for you, bro. Or or um, just checking in. Yeah. Mm. Like that can be the thing. Um, and however you do that or whatever. But it's just to keep it simple. Uh, and a lot of that work, I've been connecting a lot with mates. So... Mm. Um, uh, and I'm not trying to be female or male, but, like, a lot of um, fellas that I've spoken to, it's an easy thing for them to do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's an easy thing that um, they're not... It's not too, you know, like... I think instinctively, yeah. uh, and Nat, I think you can speak to this, that girls check in because you're a girl. Yeah. 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 Girls I was check like, where's in. this going? Yeah, yeah, girls check in with girls more, more often yeah. than guys do. Yeah. Like, we'll talk think, to each other, yeah, but we'll, talk, we'll shoot the shit, talk about the footy, yeah. whatever, but girls would probably have a more DNM style conversation yeah. more frequently. So I think it's completely... That's, and know, that's, sorry, that's exactly yeah. what I was yeah. meaning. It was just, it's really around that, yeah. that it's got to be something simple. I just simply won't do it because mm. it's just like, oh, if it sounds like... Um, yeah, it's got to be simple and easy to, to do, to, to be able to do that and, like, inspire them to sort of check in and do yeah. that kind of stuff. And mm. um, and it means a lot. Like, those things are huge. Yeah, and like, I think, unfortunately, often there is more of a stigma for men yeah. in being not okay mm. than yeah. it, there is for women. Without a doubt. And mm. Which is unfortunate because it shouldn't be that way in the slightest. But I, I guess that's where you're coming from. It would be easier for me to approach a female friend of mine and be like, "Fuck, I am struggling today," totally. than it would be for you know one of my best mates that's a dude to come to me and be like, "Today was fucking rough and I'm struggling." Because yeah. there is that. Well, you, you know, we talk, we've talked about it before, and I've I went on about Brene Brown and vulnerability, <laughs> but there is. She's cool as actually. I'm yeah, sick. Josh, Josh has got to get on her bandwagon. But mm. there is that stigma of vulnerability in men is inappropriate. Mm. And it's not. No. But that's definitely the perception. Yeah. Without which is unfortunate. Mm. Yeah, without a doubt. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, like, the what is it? 75% of suicide is, is men. And mm. it's not to say that 25% is not absolutely tragic as well. But, For sure. But that's pretty alarming. Mm. Like, it's really, really alarming and, like, there's lots of great men's programs out there that are doing so much great work in this space. But, fellas, we've got to, you know, speak to each other and, like, be... It's not, mm. um, you know, it's it's not, like, weak. Mm. It's, no. the, it's the complete opposite. 
You yeah. know, if you're feeling that you're scared to do it and then you go do it, yeah. then that's strong. Yeah. yeah. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, that, thing you that's, can that's, do. that's brave. That's actually really tough. Yeah. And um, toughness um, framed in our society, especially in men, is, is completely the opposite. It's, yeah. actually, it's complete weakness. Mm. Like mm. to be afraid to do these things is complete weakness, but to build that strength up and start talking to each other is. Um, yeah, it's so, so vital. I know my immediate friendship group that um, I grew up with and we've been through hell and back together, like all of yeah, the crime and doing all of that kind of stuff, we're all out of that now. Mm. Um, and they're like such, you know, pretty masculine dudes, but that love and is there and it makes me so proud of yeah. all those fellas that they're just like willing to talk about these kind of things and check in with each other and like send a text saying to all our mates you know i'm not doing okay yeah, yeah that is cool. do you know what i mean That's and so we're all cool. and and all he's met with is love yeah do you know what i mean because you know it deep down that's what it is you know yeah they you know we love we love each other yeah. you know when you a friend who had uh, lost a mate on a rugby team and he was just like, the first thing everybody said was, I wish he knew how much we loved him. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I can't believe we didn't say that. Yeah. We didn't yeah. make it a part of our culture yeah. about how much we loved him and he, he didn't know that. Mm. Um, and that's really sad, you know? Like, But, yeah, like you said, being vulnerable, most powerful thing you can be, I think. Yeah. Yeah, without a Crazy doubt. Stuff. Not just what I think, a lot of people think. But no, yeah. That, I yeah. think everybody should be. It's scary as fuck. Like, there's fuck definitely yeah. an acknowledgement that it's scary as fuck. Totally. But also brave. So yeah. brave. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Especially if you've built a reputation around not doing that. Yeah. Mm. Like, that's pretty scary. But then when they do it, like how powerful that yeah. is and changes yeah. all of the people that followed that reputation. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Like, I see some of the fellas that online talking about this stuff that I grew up with that are not, you know, we're not as tight but we're in the same group but they went through real hardcore shit as well and I haven't spoken to them in, in a while but, they, you know, those Facebook friendships that you have from mm -hmm. people and I'm seeing them talk about it and I'm like, I'm so surprised that them, they're talking about it. It makes me proud that yeah. these are some of the hardest dudes in our area that had the craziest reputation and they're talking about men's mental health. And I just think, man, the amount of fellas that we grew up with that are going to follow this, yeah. it just makes me so proud of you. Yeah, you because know? if he like, can do it, I can do it. Yeah, and he's mm. tough, you know, yeah. like prison tough, yeah. like been Scary through dude. the whole nine yards and he's saying it and dudes, and you see people... You know, I grew up with commenting, going, bro, yeah, I felt that way too and this mm. and that. Thank you for posting this and this and that. And you just think, just makes me proud, like, yeah. you know, to, um, like we were talking about witness. Yeah. Witness that kind of stuff is, yeah, it's really powerful stuff. So, yeah, don't be afraid of it, fellas. Like, definitely. Yeah, speak um, out. Speak out, be vulnerable. That's the toughest thing you can do. For sure. Mm. For sure. Nice. Mm. Well, we finish everyone with a cheeky question. Okay. Um, it's not going to throw you for six, so don't stress. No, that's um, okay. But if you had any words of wisdom or pieces of advice for new and upcoming workers or, you know, maybe people in the field that are a little bit tired or changing roles, any tidbits of wisdom? Um, 
again, grow through unpredictability, go yeah. through, grow through uncertainty. So, yeah. like, allow yourself to go into yeah. those spaces. You're constantly going to be in uncertain spaces. You're constantly going to meet up with people that you connect that are connected with your service. Where you're like, you've got the session planned and you know what you want to do, <laughs> and then it completely goes the <laughs> other way. Yeah. Um, approach it with curiosity. Um, approach it with, you know, with fascination and curiosity and build a belief in the people that you're working with through doing that. Um, but, yeah, and just always be open to learn, whether you've been in the industry or in the sector for 30 years or not. Uh, every person's a new slate. Like, there's not, you know, there might be similar characteristics, but that person's had a lifetime of experiences that make them different to the person that you might have worked with that's similar. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that that still builds a fascination in the work um, and um, curiosity in the work and uh, and uh, hold belief no matter what. Um, challenge yourself where it's okay. If you don't believe sometimes, challenge yourself when you when you don't, you know, someone doesn't turn up to eight meetings in a row, it's okay to think that they're not going to turn up to the ninth, but challenge yourself in that. Yeah. Challenge mm. yourself and say, cool, what is my approach? What could I do? What are those things to do? do um, how do I hold belief when they don't? Mm. Um, and then to managers, support your workers in doing that. Mm. Support mm. your workers through that journey. Um, make that about your supervision. How do you support workers to hold belief and do great work with people? Um, yeah, I think that's probably the the best advice I could give. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Pretty sound. It yeah. is. Cool. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so cool. much for yeah. joining us today. Thank really you. Cool. Thanks for having us over. Really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, and you're fine. Yeah, thank you. I really, really appreciate the opportunity. I think what you, you guys are doing is really great. I follow the group and it's really cool to see that come alive and lots of people that are connected with it and such great information and uh, uh, and just a good crew, good crew of people yeah. in, in the in the group. So, yeah. Yeah, it's well coming along really well. It's yeah, really, I love it. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. There's, um, I guess, like a side note, but someone posted, um, like, if I was to organise an assist training, you know, the suicide oh, self-harm yeah, yeah. Um, training, would anyone be interested? And there was, like... Yeah, because they needed a certain amount of spots to get the 40? facilitator yeah. to come out. There was, like, 40 maybe people who were wow. all interested. So I don't know if, like, and I don't know, apologies to the... I think it's a gentleman organising it, um, but I, I can't remember your name. But, yeah, we potentially have, like, a whole session of training that someone's going to cool organise all from the group. So that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, it's super cool. Pretty super fun. Cool. So. Well, there's a lot of people connected with it and you just make that assumption that everybody's from the sector. So right. it's like, well, why would you really be a part of the group if you're not from it or you're not interested in getting in it? Yeah. Um, that it's just such a good place to share positive information and that's what I see that that's happening. And I, don't, I haven't really seen it happen like mm. with you know especially in in uh, melbourne so it's really powerful stuff it's really really good yeah. and the fact that you guys are doing this podcast i think it's really informative as well so Thanks. good on you thank you yeah cool proud Thanks, of you guys <laughs> <laughs> thank you awesome cheers <laughs> thanks for listening to another episode of knowledge on tick Please like and share the podcast, invite your friends and colleagues into the group and get in touch if there are any guest speakers you'd like to hear from or any topics you'd like covered. Take care and enjoy your week.